Psalm chapter 34. This is the Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. And I'd ask you if you would read with me this morning from uh, verse 1 there, I will bless the Lord, and we're going to read down just to verse 10. So let us all read it together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lands do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And turn over to Psalm chapter 40, if you would, please. A Psalm of David, and we'll read again just the first three verses, if we would, beginning at, I waited patiently. We're all there. Psalm chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the mary clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning we pray for your help as we turn now to your precious word. We thank you for the proclamation of your word this morning. We pray, Lord, for your anointing, both to preach and to hear your word. Lord, glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, through the preaching of the gospel, both here and wherever the sacred pages are open this morning. We pray your blessing upon it and your anointing. And Lord, would you speak to your hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. I want to speak on the sin of not remembering. The sin of not remembering. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Lord would ordain feasts with the children of Israel for very specific reasons. It was to cause them to remember what the Lord had done for them. There are seven feasts, but the three main feasts, of course, this morning is the Feast of Passover. Then there's the Feast of Pentecost. And then the last of the three, which was the main three, is the Feast of Tabernacles, or also known as the Feast of Booths. Now, the tabernacle or a booth was simply a dwelling place uh, or a habitation. So this was a feast of a habitation or a dwelling place or a tabernacle. And the Feast of Tabernacles lasted over a period of time, seven, eight days. And it was a time of great rejoicing. It was a time when you read through in the scriptures, there was very great rejoicing. It wasn't just that they rejoiced. The Bible actually says that there was very great rejoicing at this time of the Feast of Tabernacles. 
And they weren't rejoicing just for the sake of rejoicing or making a noise, but the feast in its particular ordinance by God or designed by God was to cause them not to forget, to always remember what the Lord had done for them. And so every year there was this feast that was ordained of God in Israel, and they would they would celebrate this feast with great rejoicing to remember the great things what the Lord had done. Because the reason that is because God knows our frame, and God knows that we are prone. We are prone not to remember. We're actually prone to forget very quickly the great things that the Lord has done for us. Actually, every day we are, by our nature, by creatures that what we are, I don't know about you, but we, we forget very easily, don't we? We forget very easily. Nicky would send me to the garage to get three things and I'd come back with two. And I can't remember what the third thing was. I'm standing in the vivo saying, what was the third thing? And then when I try sometimes to guess what it was, it's the wrong thing. Because we're creatures that very easily forget. And the Lord specifically wanted to put into the, into the practice of Israel a feast that they would never forget what the Lord has done for them. The consequences or the sin of not remembering, there's consequences to that. What actually happens is that our hearts become hardened. The Bible speaks very clearly of that as in the day of provocation. What happened was that they had forgot the great things that the Lord had done for them. And there was a hardness came in their heart. And then not only that, what happened in their journey is they had an inability to be able to hear what the Lord was saying to them, to them as a people. And so we see the importance of remembering what the Lord has done, the feast ordained of God was to remind Israel of the great things that he's done for them not only what he has done but where he has brought them from and it's so easy brothers and sisters to forget it's so easy to forget where the Lord has brought you from and I want to help you this morning to remember through looking at this feast of the tabernacles and caution us this morning of the sin of not remembering the great work that the Lord has done in your life. You know, Israel, when they went into captivity, they came back out under Nehemiah. If you turn over into the book of Nehemiah chapter 8, I want us to look at it this morning. But what Israel experienced as they went into captivity and come out again, we see that they were in a building program, if you like, and there was a rebuilding of everything that had been demolished, everything that had been taken by the enemy. And so they put the altar in place and they put the things that were right in the order of God in place. They begin to build the walls. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see as they had just finished the building of the wall and they were all gathered together, the Bible says, as one man before the water gate, there was a there was a unity amongst the people of God as they gathered at the water gate. And this was at the time of this feast, the first day of the seven months. This feast was celebrated in the fall or in the autumn time. And this was the time that they had gathered together. Now in verses 5 and 6, it says these words, that Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. 
And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with the lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Look at verse 8. And they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. What does it say there? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Now look at this in verse 13. And on the second day, and on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they find written in the law which the Lord had commanded them by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. This was the feast of tabernacles. They should dwell in booths on the feast of the seventh month and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying go forth onto the mount fetch olive branches pine branches myrtle branches palm branches branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written so the people went forth brought them and, they, and made themselves booths everyone upon the roof of his house in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate Ephraim and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths for since the days of Joshua the son of Nun unto that day had not the children of Israel done so and there was, what does it say there, very great gladness as also day by day, from the first day on to the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. We find here that after a time of of captivity, a time where the judgment of God has been upon Israel 70 years. And now we know the story well, as the Lord had put it on the heart of Nehemiah, that he would rebuild again. And the people of God were being brought back to, 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 to Jerusalem one more time to raise up that city that God had chosen and put his name there for his people Israel. We read here that as they begin to turn to the word of God, they begin to seek after the things of God. They knew that they cannot do this on their own, but they wanted to do it after the pattern that God had set forth. And they read in the scriptures, they find in the law, which of course is in, in the first five books of scripture. They find in Deuteronomy, they find in Leviticus, they find that the Lord had laid out this ordinance that they should keep. That is the feast 
of tabernacles because God, they understood that they are a people that very easily can forget what the Lord has done in their lives. So what did they read? Well, I want us to go to Deuteronomy chapter 16 so we know exactly what they were being taught on that day. Deuteronomy chapter 16. And you'll also find this teaching in Leviticus chapter 23. But I want us to pick up in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 10. And this is what they read. This is what Ezra and the Levites read to the people that day and then caused them to understand what they were saying. Deuteronomy 16 and verse 10. Thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand. Thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord has blessed thee. Thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you in the place the Lord thy God has chosen to place his name there. Verse 12 is a very key verse. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe to do these statutes. So what we see the instruction here was for everybody. There's actually nobody left out in this list. And this instruction for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booze, was for everyone. And the purpose of it all was that they would remember where God had brought them from. Because it is very easy, brothers and sisters, to forget. It's very easy to forget what the Lord has done in your life and the pit that the Lord has taken you out of. Especially in the days we're in, with all the focus going everywhere else. But I want us to get our focus this morning on the great things that the Lord has done for his people. You see, it's so easy to forget the pit and the hole that the Lord has dug you out of. It's so easy to forget the great things. I'm talking great things that the Lord has done in your life. It's so easy to move on in life with the busyness and all the stuff that's going on and all the distractions and all this and that going on to forget in the midst of it all, the Lord's done a great work in your life. And so we find here in Leviticus chapter 23, there's one verse there that your generations, 23 and 43 says, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. I am the Lord your God. So God wanted them to know. They're reading the law to the people of Israel. They're standing as one man before the water gate. They're standing on a platform. They've just finished completing the wall with all the opposition, with everything that was coming against them. And Ezra and the Levites begin to teach the people that God wants you to remember something. He wants you to remember that you were once, as a people, bond men and women. You were in bondage. You were without hope. You were without strength. 
You were lost. You were under Pharaoh's hand and the taskmasters. You were in the depths of despair. You were in misery. You had no purpose. You had no hope. You had no future. But God himself came down and delivered you by his great hand. And when God brought you out of that place, he brought them into a time where they would simply dwell in little booths. They would go to the trees. They'd pull off the branches. And growing up in Beaver Park, we loved to build huts. And there's nothing like after you've built a hut with branches and you go and sit underneath it. There's something special about it. If you've never done it, there's something special about it. But they would gather up all the branches. Here they are as a people. They had no purpose, but God had delivered them. God had heard their cry. God had come down. He had sent his servant Moses by the supernatural hand of God. God had brought them out with his great hand and destroyed their enemy. And now they're sitting in these booths for seven days. And each night they would look up at the stars of heaven and they would look at the wonder and the glory and the majesty of this great God. And they would give God thanks that they're saved and they're delivered. You see, remember, he wanted them to remember that they were once born men. They were once born men. He wanted them not to ever forget that we're just sinners saved by the grace of God. He wanted them to remember that there's no great men and great people, but there is a great Savior and there's a wonderful gospel that sets the prisoner free. He wanted them to remember when they were slaves. You remember the cry that used to come up out of Egypt? If you turn into Exodus chapter 3, he wanted them and caused them to remember. But in Exodus 3, in those verses, Verses 7 through the 9. He wanted them to remember. Remember the affliction that you once lived under. You know that word affliction means the misery. The misery that you were once in when you were in Egypt. Have you forgot what God has done in your life? Have you moved on? Have you, have you moved on? Have you become professional, slick and religious? But have you forgot the great things, what the Lord has done for you? Can you remember the affliction that you were once under? God had heard their cry. You know, that word cry means that there was a shriek. Now we come out of Egypt because of the taskmasters and the bondage that they were under. God had seen their sorrows. Do you remember when you were a sinner? And can you remember the pain? Can you remember the grief? Can you remember the anguish under the part of sin? God had seen the oppression. It says the oppression, that crushing pressure where the Egyptians would press down on the people of God. And God said, do you remember that day? Do you remember what it was like to live in that horrible pit? Do you remember what it was like to be under the power of sin and Satan himself? Do you remember that your destiny was hell and without hope and without Christ? Do you remember the chains of sin and the addictions? Do you remember the suicidal thoughts? Do you remember the darkness? Do you remember the despair? And God said, I heard your cry. I've seen your sorrows. I've seen your anguish. And God says, I've come down to save you. And I don't want you to forget what I've done. The Lord said, I've seen. The Lord said, I've heard. And the Lord said, I know. Thank God that he's seen. Thank God that he heard. And thank God that he knows. Can I tell you, friend, this morning, believer in this room or unsaved person, God still knows. God still sees. And God still hears. 
He still hears. And so God said, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I've come down to bring them out of that land and bring them into a good land that's large and it's flowing with milk and honey. I've come down that I might deliver my people. Do you know, I want to tell your friend this morning, there's a greater sin. There's a greater than Pharaoh that we were under. There, let me tell you, friends, this morning, we were under the power of the devil himself. We were under the power of greater chains that were in Egypt. We were in chains of sin and in darkness. And let me tell you, friends, this morning, greater than that, what Pharaoh and the taskmasters ever done to the children of Israel in Egypt, we were under the power of Satan, under the power of sin. We were facing the penalty of sin and the punishment of sin. But Jesus came along and he touched us and he delivered us by his great hand. God didn't send Moses to us, thank God. He sent his only begotten son who left the splendor of heaven and came into the sin-sick world and died on a cross for you and died on a cross for me. And thank God that he saved us by his grace. Jesus came along and he touched me. And I've never been the same again. What happens is we're forgetting. And it's a sin not to remember what the Lord has done. You see, these people, Israel, are there for our example. Listen, Exodus chapter 15, remember the great things that he's done? Well, here they are in Exodus 15, 23. They come to the bitter waters of Marah. Exodus 15 and 23, it says, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Numbers chapter 11 says, and verse 4, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, and said, Who's going to give us flesh to eat? This is, what, this is what they said. We remember the fish. Think about it for a moment. We remember the fish which we did eat freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Our soul is dried. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And verse 11 says, and the people complained, and it displeased the Lord. They'd lost sight of it all. They'd lost. Listen, we are living in a nation that's filled with complainers, murmurers. We're living in a nation, friends, of a people that are unthankful. They don't thank God for anything. To thank God for the clothes on your back. To thank God for a roof over your head. Did you get a breakfast this morning? Thank God for a breakfast. Did you get a sleep in your own bed last night? Thank God. Have your breath in your lungs this morning? Praise the Lord. Thank God for the house of God that we can come to on a Sunday morning. Thank God that we can sing the praises of God. Thank God this morning that we're saved by the grace of God. Whatever's happening in this world, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're a thankful people. On thankfulness. A people who lose sight of what the, the great things of what the Lord has done, that murmur, that complain, that say, well, God has brought us up and he's going to cause us to die. There's no bread, there's no water. And we know from Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 and 4, it says that they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. They were drinking the waters that Christ himself gave them. They were eating of the bread of life, the manna from heaven, but they didn't want it anymore. They were unthankful. And here we see that Paul 
warns us of the last days, of what it will be. Look at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, it says, This know also, 2 Timothy 3 and 1, This know also, that in the last days, it says, perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without the natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof for such, from such, the Bible says, we are to turn away. Does any of this sound familiar? The picture that Paul paints, does it look familiar? Does it sound familiar? That's because that's the days we're living in. A people that are unthankful. The great problem comes when God, by his amazing grace, saves us out of the hand of the devil, delivers us from the world that sometimes we forget. Sometimes there's a sin committed that we don't intensely do it, but that we forget to remember the great things that the Lord has done in your life. We fail to remember, as the Bible says, the horrible pit. Was anybody in a horrible pit here? The horrible pit on which the Lord saved you out of. We fail to remember the day and the hour when he lifted us out of the Mary clay and he put our feet upon the rock to stay and put a song in our mouth to sing the praises of our God. Sometimes we commit the sin of not remembering what he's done. And we still live like a slave. Even though we've been delivered from slavery, we're no longer slaves. What are we? We are sons. We have received the adoption into the family of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so the devil wants us to live like slaves, wants us to live under the same oppression, the same depression, under the same fear, under the same bondages. But Jesus Christ has come that he might set the prisoner free. What's the remedy for the problem that God's seen ahead? He ordained the feast of tabernacles that they would never forget what the Lord has done for them. So what happened at the Feast of Tabernacles? It's a wonderful story, and it's a wonderful time, and it's a wonderful feast. And I'm not necessarily saying you should actually do this, but if you want to, you can. But you know, it's an exciting time. Because what they would do is they would, they would get together. It was everybody. It was the Levites. It didn't matter who you were in Israel. Didn't matter who you were in Israel. You had a big fancy house or you just had a humble dwelling. Didn't matter who you were. 
whether it was the priest or whoever it was, but every single person, we read of it this morning, it was everybody, the Levites, the stranger, the father that's the widow, the great, the small, the rich, the poor, every single person that was an Israelite at this particular time, everyone would leave their home. They would get away from all the material possessions and all the things, the rat race. They're getting bigger, the cars, the clothes, the, 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 the everything that move away from all those things that, that so easily can cause us to be entangled again in the affairs of the world. And what they would do, they would head out to the mountains and they'd begin to pull the branches down and then it all start heading back to Jerusalem. And then a father and a son and a mother and the kids and the neighbors and everyone else, they'd all begin to build these little booths that they're all going to sleep in for seven days. What a time, how exciting, I'd love to have been there, building huts and helping everyone to get their hut together to make sure it was standing. And then every night, every single one of them as a family, would gather into that little booth, and there they would sit for a moment, and then that would cause them to remember what God had done in their lives. They began to remember that once they were in Egypt, the world that once they were under Pharaoh, that's the devil. That once they were troubled by his taskmasters, that's the demons. That once they were enslaved by chains, that's the power of sin. That once they had no hope, that they were in tears, that they were broken because of the effects of sin in their lives. But God sent a great deliverer to deliver them. And so they begin to remember, see everything that we have. See the house that we have. See the car that we have. See the buildings that we have. This all fades into insignificance because it means nothing in the end. But all that matters, friend, is that you've been saved by the grace of God. That's all that matters. And so they begin to talk. And the children would say to their dads, Dad, why are we not staying in the house? And the dad would begin to tell them, you know, once we were born, man, you have no idea. What God has done for his people. You have no idea of the pit that he took us out of. You have no idea of the bondage that we were in. You have no idea of the tears that we used to shed. You have no idea of the trouble we used to have in our minds. You have no idea of the oppression. But God sent a man one day and his name was Moses. And he came in and by the hand of God he delivered us out of Egypt and he brought us in to his promised land. And friend, one greater than Moses came to us and his name's Jesus. And we have a sin that's committed so often that we fail to remember the great things, the great things. Do you remember the pit? Do you remember the sin? Do you remember the trouble? Do you remember the tears? Do you remember the brokenness? Do you remember the destruction? Do you remember the suicidal thoughts? Do you remember the fear that was so tangible? Do you remember the prison cell? Do you remember the despair? Do you remember the emptiness? Do you remember waking up in the mornings, dreading the day? Do you remember there was no hope? Do you remember you were blind? Do you remember you were going to hell? The sin of not remembering. God says, I don't want you to forget the great things that I've done in your life. I don't want you to forget the pit. You see, you couldn't get yourself out of that pit. You couldn't get yourself out of the darkness. You couldn't get yourself, you couldn't break the chains of sin. You couldn't set yourself free. 
I did it because I'm a gracious God and I love you. And I stretch forth my hand because my arm is not too short that I cannot see it. And I reached into your horrible pit and I've lifted you out and I've put your feet upon a rock and I've put a song in your heart. But I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget. Why? Because see, when you forget, your heart becomes hard and you have an inability to hear what the Spirit is saying. It's plagued the church even in these days. The materialism that has choked the life of the church. Religion has choked the life of the church. Listen, friends, this morning, we, you know, I've heard people often say, and I believe it to be true, that if God would just pull the cover of hell to show the sinner what he's going to, I'll tell you in a moment, I think every single person, if they got a glimpse of it, and a moment we give their lives to Christ. I believe it to be true. But I want to tell you something, friends. What about if God pulled the cover of hell and showed the church what they've been saved from? I wonder what would happen this morning in this house. I wonder what chains of religion would be broken. I wonder what reservations would go when you suddenly realize what the Lord has saved you from and what the Lord is bringing you to when you get the glory one day. You know, they got into those little booths And those little branches were just resting over the top of them. And there they would sit for a moment and they'd begin to thank God. Are you thankful this morning, saint? Are you thankful? Church, I'm asking you a question. Are you thankful? You know, we want a place where God knows there's a people that appreciate him. That really appreciate the Lord. We want a congregation and a house that really appreciates what the Lord has done. You know, 27 years this Saturday, I'll be saved by the grace of God. I can tell you, friend, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, I can tell you, friends, not because I've been faithful, not because I deserved it, not because I was at a religious place of a certain standard, but I was a sinner going to a lost sinner's hell forever and ever. And God saved me 27 years ago this Saturday. By God's grace, he saved me by his grace. I can remember the night. I can remember it well. I can remember phoning my mother and my father and saying, I've given my life to Jesus. I can remember the tears that were shed. I can remember the joy that filled the heart. I can remember that God came down and saved me. But we're so prone not to remember. Just a few days before that night, I can remember, and you've heard it maybe a million times, you'll forgive me, you're going to hear it a million and one. I can remember sitting in that flat in Ealing in London with about 20 young people, all Jamaican Pentecostal, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's me from Beaver, wondering how I ever got there, but God works in mysterious ways. But I can remember Big Ruth standing up, she looked about nine foot. She wasn't, but she was, she was just a big tall lady and she stood up and they began to sing that song. I'm free. Praise the Lord. I'm free. No longer bound. No chains holding me. My soul is resting. It's just a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. And the whole flat went mad and they all started singing it one after another. They sang the same song 20 times. 
And I realized that night that I am not a free man. But he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Friend, do you remember the pit? You know, I've been thinking about it a lot. Do you remember the awful darkness? Do you remember the despair? Do you remember, friends, do you remember it? The awfulness of sin. You know, you can smell sin. Let me tell you something, you can smell it. You can smell that pit, the depths of darkness, the despair, the horrible sense, the bondage, the chains, the addictions. But I tell you something, friend, can you remember the day that Jesus saved you? Remember when he came? You didn't deserve it. Anybody deserve it? Is there anyone here claims that they deserve God's grace and his mercy? But do you remember when he came? Do you remember when he came down? You maybe didn't understand it all. You maybe didn't grasp it all. But what you did have was simply, Oh God, would you do something with this life? Would you save me, Lord? I don't know where to turn. I don't know who to turn to. And what did he do? You didn't get all the words right. You didn't have a great sense of all the theology even of it all. But you said, Lord, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And the Lord delivered him from all his troubles. And then the Lord's been good, hasn't he? Oh, come on, friend. Has God been good to you? Friends, think about it. Just think about the goodness of Jesus in your life. Think about what he's given you. Think about the family he's given you. Think about the wife and the husband he's given you. Think this morning about the children that he's blessed you with. Think about the home that you have. Think about the times he's healed you. Think about the times he's opened. How many times has he opened that Red Sea? How many times has he opened it? Time and time again showing his great hand. And he guides us. And he leads us. And we look back. And we see the great hand of God in our lives. Times when we didn't think we could get through it. Times when we didn't think we were going to make it. Times when we thought we're never going to survive this. What did he do? He made a way when there was no way. He brings us through. But there's a sin of not remembering. And so they get those branches. And you can see it. Can you see it for a moment? They get those branches and they gather over and they're out in the streets and they're on the rooftops and they're up in the temple court. It didn't matter who you were, but you needed to get out. Whether you're a minister, whether you're a Levite, whatever you were or whoever you think you were. But at this time of the year, get you away from all of that. Get you under this booth. And there's the branches. You know, I looked at these branches, the olive branch it mentions there. The olive branch speaks of peace. It's great to have peace in a troubled world, isn't it? The myrtle tree, you know what it speaks of? It's a symbol of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That pine, and there's some debate about the pine branch, but basically the tree that they're speaking of was the acacia tree. And what that was, it was a repellent against insects. It speaks of protection. Thank God we're dwelling under the wings of the Almighty. We're covered this morning. And the palm tree was, a, was speaking of, and it's a symbol of, the victory we have in Jesus. I mean, what a place to be. Think about it. Under the peace, the symbol of joy, the divine protection of God, and the victory that we have in Jesus. Revelation 7 and 9 says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, 
and before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. And what do they have in their hands? But they have palms in their hands. We have the victory in Jesus. And so they would abide there for a moment, for seven days, and that's where they'd live. That's where they'd live seven days, not just a wee night, not just, you know, if you ever camp with the kids and you come in about three o'clock in the morning because you can't move your backs down. But seven days every day, every night, every night they dwell under those booths. Why? Because God knew that it's so easy for us to forget. To forget. The Bible says this in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then what does he say? Forget not all, all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, praise God this morning. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord he is. God, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with what? Friends, are you thankful this morning? Listen, everything might, there might be troubles, there might be turmoils. This world's in turmoil. But as the people of God this morning, friend, listen to me. Listen, whatever's going to happen in this world, one thing I do know is this. He knows everything and knows all about it. The second thing I know is this here. I'm saved. And whatever happens, I'm still saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever's going to happen, I'm saved by the grace of God. And whatever's going to take place by the end of this day or tomorrow or next week or next month or whatever, whenever I see what's happening, even from Scripture, one thing I know this morning, I'm saved by the grace of God. So it says... We haven't made ourselves with the sheep of his pasture. We're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Friends, are you thankful this morning? Are you a thankful person? Do you remember what the Lord has done in your life? Here's something about a thankful heart. A thankful heart is a giving heart. A thankful heart is a rejoicing heart. And a thankful heart experiences God's great increase. If we're thankful. Friends, I want to tell you something. We have so much to be thankful for. I look across this room this morning. I can tell you by the grace of God, God has done a wonderful work in your life. God has done an amazing, God's been so good to you. I'm, I'm here to tell you God's been good to you, friend. I'm here to tell you God has saved you. I mean, you may not think or feel anything this morning, but I just want you to stop for a moment and just begin to count your blessings. Name them one by one, and it's going to surprise you what the Lord's done. Let me close with this. Perhaps you're here this morning. You're saved, and you know you're saved. 
You're washed in the blood and you know he saved you. But see all those things that I talked about earlier in this message. The afflictions, the oppressions, the turmoil, the depression, the darkness, the cloud. See if that's come. And see if the clouds of Egypt are starting to sway over your soul. Let me tell you something. Number one, friends, that's not from the Lord. That's from the pit this morning. But I tell you, the greatest remedy or the greatest tool against all of that is to get to your feet and thank the Lord for saving you. The greatest thing you can do, friends, don't start trying to chase the devil up and down the street, is get to your feet, lift your hands to heaven and say, thank God I'm saved. And the clouds of despair will go back and the joy of the Lord will fill your heart and you begin to thank him even more as he brings the increase into your life. Are you glad you're saved? I mean, are you glad you're saved this morning? Think about it. You know, I want to say this because I've said it many times, but you might be sitting here saying, well, Tim, I was never in a pit like yours. I'm going to tell you something. You were in a pit like mine. You may not have done the sin that I did, but you were in the same pit and it took the same grace and it took the same sacrifice and it took the same blood to save you as it did to save me. The great miracle in all of that is that God's kept you from it all. And that should make you more thankful. That should make you more thankful. I hear people say sometimes, well, I haven't got much of a testimony. Come on. You joking? You haven't much of a testimony? God saved you. You're on your way to heaven. You're not going to hell. What a testimony. So it's good to give thanks this morning. Be a thankful people. You know, God loves a thankful people. And See, your well might be closed up for a wee while. You haven't given thanks in a long time. You're looking at all the troubles and all the difficulties and all that. I want to tell you something. Get to your feet and thank God this morning. Just thank him for what he's done in your life. Has God been good? God's been so good to his friends. Let this house be a house that appreciates God. Gives him thanks for who he is. Let's flood this place with thanksgiving. We serve a great God this morning. Let's stand to our feet.